Hello, my name is Paul Rogney, and I'm the host of the Drumming News Network. In recent years, handcrafted symbols seem to be a growing market. Rob Cook of Rebeats, author and creator of the Chicago Drum Show, believes that handcrafted symbols are the next frontier, much like the interest in custom drum manufacturing that took place in the early 1990s. May 20th and 21st of this year at the Chicago Drum Show, you will be able to meet and experience presentations on symbol making from each of these symbol craftsmen and on the 21st, a panel of all the craftsmen together. The series of interviews that I am doing are literally a discovery as it happens. I purposely did not do any, well, I hardly did any research on each of these symbol smiths ahead of time. I've custom built drums and my own drum hardware, but the idea of symbol crafting is something that seems part voodoo, craftsmanship, and passion. Three things that I have no interest in when it comes to actually creating a symbol. In each of these interviews, we get to see each of their own personalities. And like a true artist, even with similar approaches, their outcomes are completely different. On this episode, I speak with Mike Mangello of Mangello Symbols. Mike believes the most important element in any craft is the human one. That's why every one of his instruments are made by hand from start to finish, in a single artisan setting, ensuring the highest attention to detail and quality. From carefully curated production models to custom instruments made from the ground up, Mike will help you find the sound you are looking for. No symbol will leave his shop until he'd be proud to play it on his own set. This is going to be a very informative and interesting episode. So, let's get on with it. Mike, thank you so much for taking the time today to talk with me about um, the Chicago Drum Show coming up and to talk more about being a cymbalsmith. So, thank you very much. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yes, exciting. So, before we get going and go down the road with about what you do, I'd like to find out a little bit about your history. Um, can we talk a little bit about what got you into drumming in the first place? Drumming itself? Uh, yes. Oh, wow. Okay. So, uh, when I was about uh, 18 or 19, I started kind of late uh my my cousin who was a like a little child at the time got like one of those little tiny kid drum kits mm-hmm. uh and for christmas so it was out by the by the tree and i happened to be spending christmas with with their family and uh i uh i we were starting a punk rock band and i was going to be the singer and i sat down uh at this little drum kit for whatever reason and started messing around and i was just like no i'm the i'm the drummer (laughs) and i and i bought i went out and i had a a crappy job and i uh i bought a you know crappy drum kit and started playing drums so that's fantastic so did you always did you continue pursuing the punk style of music or yeah most most of the music that i played uh, was uh, I don't have a chance to play much anymore. Um, I, you know, I was in a band last year, and uh, the guys that I play with pretty often asked me to do a band again, and I was like, I just don't have I don't have the time, and I, I don't want to do it unless I'm like really into it. You know, mm-hmm. like able able to commit to it. Um, but I usually did a lot, did a lot of punk rock and a lot of uh, metal and a lot of like uh, proggy stuff, and uh, I was in like a jazz cover band for like a night you know i faked jazz for a night (laughs) and uh you know i played some like weirdo stuff and improvisational music um but uh yeah all kinds of stuff over the years so okay yeah i'm I'm still just as good as i was when i sat down at the little kids drum kit so i don't you know 
it never really turned out the the rock star thing. So, <laughs> so early on, who were were some of your influences that kind of like originally inspired you inspired you to uh, continue playing and uh, kind of as a, as a kid kid even before I started playing drums, it was uh, it was probably Keith Moon because I was a mm. I was a big uh, I was a big Who kid. Um, but as I, when I was the age I was to start playing, uh, it was like the guys playing for Bad Religion, like Bobby Shear and Brooks Wackerman. Uh, it was around the time that Brooks Wackerman had joined Bad Religion and everybody was just like, who is this guy? Jeez, he's crazy. And mm -hmm. I was super into that. Um, Tommy Aldridge, uh, who was like out on the road with uh, like an iteration of Thin Lizzy at the time, I think. Okay. And uh, like my family's big Thin Lizzy people so i was super into that and um and then when i got a little bit older um uh phil selway from radiohead is a big one for me um and uh uh bron daler from mastodon and uh you know and then of course jazz is is like a, a thing that i that i love listening to and i i like uh i like listening to a lot of different kinds of jazz drummers and stuff like that but it's everybody it's it's almost not worth saying because it's the same people that everybody else likes, you know, it's like, you know, Elvin Jones and Tony Williams and Eric Harlan and Brian bleed, you know, like, so right. it's, it's the same crazy, insane master drummers that everybody else likes. So. Well, it makes sense though. I mean, because it's like, they are the people who we go back to, to find out, you know, essentially the forefathers are of modern jazz. So yeah. Uh, and the approach to drumming. I think these days that I, I gain the most amount of inspiration in terms of, of looking at drums musically, not, not as a, a maker of, of an instrument is uh, the drummers that I encounter now, because now I encounter like very high level drummers all the time uh, and not, not necessarily famous drummers, but professional players who are very, very good. My, my uh, assistant apprentice, Trevor is, a spectacular drummer and it's just like super fun to watch him play and one of my artists is in my demo guy and uh joe baldacci he's he's like awesome you know like super class and like really really good uh um i work with uh, eric binder is one of my artists and and he's just like you know bops hard and and mm. is amazing on the drums and that sort of thing you know i, I just like when somebody comes to the shop and sits down behind my kit that I don't know how to play and, and rips. And that's, that's <laughs> inspiring to me. You know, what's well, fantastic. So what really got you into crafting symbols? Uh, I, I was, I'm a gear junkie. Mm -hmm. And um, as I find is often the case with people who aren't, I mean, I'm an okay drummer, but I, you know, I find a lot of us okay drummers are like super into nice gear uh <laughs> and uh like so i was always like looking for a cool snare drum or like what's my cool kit gonna be and every band i was ever in i wanted a new setup so i'd trade something in and get mm -hmm. something else different toms or different heads or different uh different symbols and and i always loved symbols um and i always found myself like playing symbols that were super not appropriate for what i was playing um and just because i liked trying different stuff and uh i owned lots of symbols and and i started trying to find someone to do custom stuff for me um and i i researched a couple of companies you know like i bought some salutas and 
I, I kind of, you know, looked around at, at people who were doing custom stuff. And through that, I sort of found uh, Matt Bettis and, and uh, Spitzkino and, uh, or Spitzicino, I guess. And, and um, uh, Lance Campo, like watching the symbol project videos and stuff like that. And I was like, Oh, wow, there's people that, that do it, huh? That actually are doing the Turkish thing. And I was watching the Turkish hammering videos and, and it, it made me interested. So I, I just kind of lurked on the internet for like two years mm-hmm. and just studied a lot of pictures and watched a lot of videos and, and the obsession didn't go away. You know, it was, it was not like a phase of like, Oh, that's kind of interesting because I was kind of also toying around with the idea of making drums, at, but the symbol thing never went away. So eventually I, just ordered a hunk of steel uh and an angle grinder i'd never used tools i'm I'm a nerd i play video games so it's okay. like i i had never used power tools or anything i just uh i just ordered an angle grinder and a hunk of steel and a couple ball peen hammers and started cutting stuff up until it sort of looked like the pictures that i was uh <laughs> looking at and i started working okay yeah that's fantastic i've learned that from a lot of you uh uh symbol artisans that you really started off by literally exploring and uh and that was kind of like your driving focus it's like you didn't have a vision for it. you just kind of went for it and you're like i don't want to do this i just want to try it out mm-hmm. but you started with stainless steel before you got into brass i did yeah so uh, the the reason i did that was because i i knew how to get it uh and it and at the time it was really affordable mm-hmm. um stainless steel is a lot more expensive now that raw materials all over the world of of every kind of have gone up but um at the time i had a a steel manufacturing uh plant you know uh 20 miles away from my apartment and i i could order discs and at the thickness that i wanted and uh it gave me a chance to sort of learn how to or teach myself to a point how to hammer uh metal because I didn't have a lathe or anything. So uh, mm-hmm. I could teach myself or try to figure out what was going on for less money without ruining like thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars of, of raw material. So I did that for close to a year before I uh, reached out to a foundry in Turkey and, and started ordering bronze. Yeah. Did you uh, get any training from that, that uh, company in Turkey? No, no. So, uh, so with the Turkish guys, I've, I've always just ordered material. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have received training. Um, I, uh, I, I spent a little bit of time with Nikki moon, who's a great guy. Uh, and he, you know, we, we sort of buddied up a little bit at the beginning of my, uh, run and I wound up, um, uh, learning a little bit of hammering for a day with him. And that was like super eye opening, which was, which was amazing. Um, and I was, uh, as I started posting that I was working with um, bronze Francisco Domene in, in Brazil reached out to me and asked if I had any questions, um, which was a little bit intimidating because I know he had already trained Nick and he had trained uh, PGB in uh, Canada. And um, I, uh, so I was like, Oh, I'm not going to bother this guy. He he's, he's busy, you know, but he kept asking and I asked him some technical questions. And, and uh, after that he, he said, well, come, come to Brazil. Um, so I went, I went down right, right before the pandemic started. I almost got stuck there actually. Uh, and, uh, and spent 
spent like 10 days training with him, um, which was great because then I could sort of fuse the exploratory stuff that I was doing with with something a little more traditional. Mm-hmm. And uh, I actually wound up going back. Uh, I was there in November um, for three weeks and that was that was great. So it's always, always good to see them. And, and, uh, that time it was, uh, less training and more, I just worked in the factory for three, for three weeks, which was awesome. Yeah. So I've heard him referenced a couple of times, like by Nikki and, and some other people that were, that got training from him. Where did he receive his training or did he, did he just, he was trained up? by, uh, uh, Mustafa Daril in oh. Turkey. Okay. Um, and so uh, can he, you explain who that, who Mustafa Daril is to, to people who are listening? Sure. Mustafa Daril is, uh, he, he does Samson symbols, which is one of the Turkish, uh, symbol brands. Uh, he's, uh, I, I don't want to not, uh, say a fact. So I just want to make sure I, I believe, I believe the, that he did the, um, the Byzance line for Meinl. And, and I also believe he did the original version of the, uh, master series for Peisty. Um, and uh and then he has his his company in turkey um and he's he's one of the drill brothers so but isn't there a drill line of symbols too yeah so drill so there are several drills just like there okay. are several istanbuls and and that sort of thing it, it it's the same as Zil, uh, zildjian and sabi and they all split off and everything like that okay. so so there's a uh several drills um but as i understand it the drill family going back several hundred years learned the craft from the Zildjian family is that correct? Uh, that I, my my history doesn't go back that far. Nick okay. Nick is the guy to to ask. He's very very good with his history, but I do know that you know all that the K Istanbul factory. Once that split happened, everybody went in all different directions and wound up with Daril and Bosphorus and Istanbul and and okay. all that sort of thing. And then they all split, and you know, it's it's all this this little tree of of uh, companies. Yeah. Okay. So it's just kind of interesting. It seems like as recently as like 10, 15 years ago, a lot of these lower level companies would show up that are, you know, growing now. When I say lower level, that's not an insult. <laughs> it's just sure. like there's a monopoly by the big three, four symbol manufacturers and nobody else could get in. And it seems like there's a lot more opportunity now. Um, I think about 10 years ago is when that started changing. Do you agree with that? Oh, I agree. Yeah. I, I think a lot of it has to do with, uh, more informed consumers um uh and just shying away from uh people want handmade stuff you know and of course there's the fetishism of of the istanbul case and that sort of thing so as soon as there's turkish handmade stuff readily available in the united states that's where the brain goes and kind of the same thing with with us guys sometimes the uh, the indie guys um people want interesting handmade instruments that have interesting artistic tones. Um, they're not good for everything. You know, I still think that, that machine made symbols or like very bright symbols or very heavy symbols have a place and, and are totally valid. I think that there's no such thing as a, a bad symbol. Um, mm-hmm. There's just symbols that are bad for situations, yeah. you know? So, but, um, but I think there's a lot of people that, that are super into that old school, sort of dirty sound a little complexity um not necessarily perfect and and so that started going uh getting a lot more popular i think and and i think minel had a lot to do with it too because once once minel put out the bison stuff people went nuts 
for for the dark hand hammered stuff okay yeah so how how familiar are you with the history of turkey and the development of the shape of the symbol i was wondering if you are very familiar with that if you could talk to uh, us about that because that's one thing i've not broached upon with anyone else is how important turkey is to the symbol craftsman or symbol community for yeah. design uh and material choice so so i'm Again, my history is not super great, um, mm. but it's, I mean, it's obvious, it's, it's quintessential, the, the, like, uh, uh, Constantinople, Armenia, Turkey, um, modern, modern day Istanbul, um, is huge for, um, uh, for symbols because that's where the Western symbol was like created, mm. um, and the development of it. And even with the the Zildjian guys going going into Canada and Boston, um, the the jazz symbols that everybody was into um, were were still being made uh, in the you know forties, fifties, sixties, and being imported, I believe, by Gretsch. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, I mean, it's incalculable. We we wouldn't have that that you know um it's just as important as as modern uh zildjian or uh 20th century you know uh industrial revolution uh zildjian or sabian or any of that stuff i mean china has a lot to do with it too you know obviously Mm -hmm. china has has a huge history of of uh bronze and brass instruments and gongs and and uh the lion symbols and even uh uh some companies doing western symbols as well but I think that, uh, I mean, you can't, it's just, you can't take Turkey away from it. Turkey, Turkey figured it out, you know, so. And they're playing a very important role in the next evolution of symbol craftsmanship. So it's a, it's a melting pot really, in my opinion. I agree. I agree. I agree. And uh, I mean, I don't, the, the thing that's funny about it is that, and not to take anything away from the, from the Turkish symbol makers, but like, um, a, a lot of it is is just kind of being pumped out you know like like i've seen some really really nice turkish symbols like modern turkish symbols and i've seen some duds um and uh so it's 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 still companies that are that are cranking stuff out the same the same way any of the big companies are so you're going to get good stuff and you're, and you're going to get uh bad stuff there the the quality control and the consistency uh, with some of the companies, even some of the bigger Turkish companies, is not as good as um, as you, you'd see with with some of the, some of the companies stateside or or in Germany or or Switzerland or uh, Canada or anything like that. But still, really good stuff. So I want to talk a little bit about the availability of materials. So I heard that uh, um, brass and bronze is going to be is a little bit more difficult to get a hold of now obviously it's significantly more expensive but there's a, a concern that going forward it, it might be very short in availability have you heard anything about that i haven't heard anything about it i've certainly thought about it um okay. it's it's definitely possible i mean the thing is you know if the turkish guys just decide one day they're not they're not going to sell it to us anymore <laughs> or they can't you know then we're all in trouble um but uh so far i've been affected in it only in that the the material is a lot more expensive okay you know um so i uh i i hope 
that we've still we've still got some time with it being readily available. Um, I know that uh, you know some of us are are working on uh, experiments with casting on our own, um, and uh, I I have a good relationship with Francisco at the Domene Symbols Factory in Brazil. The only reason uh, that I don't uh just import brazilian bronze uh, at this point is because we've run into a lot of uh uh really costly uh problems in terms of importing from brazil so it's not even really on the u.s side it's on the brazil side and uh it's made it like uh prohibitive um so, so. can you talk a little bit about that uh so I, the last time i was in brazil uh i sort of um Sorry if this is a secret, Francisco. Uh, we we talked a little bit about trying to get um, bronze here for everybody, um, and even went as far as to to be thinking about um, like doing a, a small tempering oven in in my facility, uh, which is really just a garage, mm -hmm. um, just so that we could import like a lot of it um, mm -hmm. and and then retemper it so that it's fresh when it gets ordered from people um, because you know, uh, bronze becomes brittle as it, as it ages. So you want to hammer your, uh, blanks as fresh as you can. Okay. Uh, so by, by re-annealing, re-tempering the, the bronze, you bring it back to that fresh, um, soft state, uh, that's easily workable. Um, but, uh, we, we go back and forth a little bit about it. We'll see if we're able to do any of that stuff in the future, but, um, uh, for now it's 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 proven very uh very costly uh to a point where it would be it would probably be a loss okay. more than it more than than anything else so so it doesn't make a lot of sense when when right now at the moment everybody can get stuff uh pretty fast and pretty fresh from from turkey so hopefully we'll see hopefully in the, in the next couple of years because the the brazilian stuff is really good so oh, okay yeah is it how they mix it or what makes it good uh, there's just a um, a real focus on on quality control. Okay. Um, I saw it myself. Just to, you know, uh, stopping production just to make sure everything is aligned correctly for an hour, hour and a half, or um, just making sure that every ingot uh, meets the standards that they hmm. that they want it to be at before it moves on to rolling. And um, every every step of the process, they're just checking to make sure that they have a, a piece of metal that they're proud to to have so uh, i was impressed no, that's fantastic um it's just so many pro steps and in, into not only symbol making but also just getting the material <laughs> yes <laughs> you know and like with this world going on i think um i've kind of alluded to this before it, it's amazing how right now with all the expenses going up for materials and uh taxes and special metal uh special um uh, metals tax and stuff like that as fluctuating as it is that so far most companies haven't increased their prices yet. So, um, you know, they're really starting to have to start eating that cost. My question is, you know, how long is that going to go on for? And at what point, how did they, uh, average it out so they can maintain their business currently sure. or, and get to a point where they're going to have to either price themselves out of a, a good portion of the market or continue to uh, take a loss. So it's, it's a really interesting time. It's not only music, it's kind of every company, you know, every yeah. industry, but uh, we're focused on music. So that's what's the most important. <laughs> well, with, with, um, and you know, I'm, I'm just a guy in a garage, so I, I don't want to try to sound like an expert in anything that I'm not, but um, 
given the size and scale of of the say say the larger symbol companies, so you take your Zildjian or your Sabin or your Peisty, you have to think about where most of their big sales are coming from. Their mm-hmm. their lower their lower end lines, uh, whether where it's uh, uh, brass or or B eight um, symbols, uh, and you know that's where they're making most of their profit. Um, at least that's what I'm led to believe. So it's a you know a little bit easier, I guess, on the on the back end to have their high, higher end stuff, um, and and not raise prices too much. Now, I mean, I have seen you know the price of of high level B twenty symbols has gone up. Oh, um, it's, uh, it's not not huge, but it's it definitely has gone up. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, a lot of the Andy Smith guys like pricing is is a big is a big topic that we talk about, you know, because we have to think about kind of just what you said, you know, you have to not scare everybody away, but you still have to make some profit on what mm-hmm. it is that you're doing. You know? Exactly. And the craftsmanship level that you guys are putting into it, especially with some of the symbols I've seen by you is you know, you're paying for that hands-on quality and you're making sure you get a true instrument. Well, so it's worth, it's worth that additional, Money, but yeah, like you said, you got to be careful about that because you're putting a lot of time into it. I mean, how long does it take you to make a symbol? Let's say, you know, that's a question everybody asks. Um, it varies, you know. Okay. I mean, like I could probably make a a twenty two inch ride in an hour or two, um, mm-hmm. but it's probably more like four hours over the course of two days. Okay, you know, in the case of the the symbol series that I put out um, last month, uh, that are sort of uh, uh, informed by the old stamp uh, Istanbul K symbols, those take about a week, um, be, about a work week, because I, I form the bells by hand, and then there's um, uh, secondary hammerings, and there's a uh, uh, patina process that takes about four days, because I'm stupid, and I uh, just landed on a patina process that I like that happens to take that long instead of one that takes 35 seconds or something like that. You know, <laughs> that's your signature, man. That's your signature. Yeah. <laughs> so what series, what's the name of that series? That's called the prestige series. Okay. Um, I worked on that with uh, Dr. Eric Binder. I flew to Chicago and checked out his old stamp collection and sort of just combined elements of what I liked uh, of those symbols that I saw into, into this stuff. And uh, we named okay. it after the, the, the club the prestige okay so yeah and you also have another series called the workhorse can you talk about that series sure uh the workhorse series was sort of my like this is my traditional line thing um i wanted it to be um accessible handmade instruments for everybody every kind of drummer um I'm, i'm currently in the process of expanding it past base models so that there's something for everybody you know the stuff that i put out was sort of in the middle and then I'm going to put out some darker stuff and some some heavier, brighter stuff with bigger bells for everybody. Um, and the the idea was to sort of blend some of that uh, shimmery A602 kind of vibe with with something more like a Turkish traditional symbol. Mm-hmm. So so like a modern sound that still got some of the dirt and and complexity of of being handmade. Um, and I really like those. Yeah. You know, I noticed that a lot of uh, you guys offer, you know, like a ride 
and or like a crash ride, but you don't really have a series of crash symbols specifically. Is there any particular reason for that? I actually do. I do crashes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, and, right here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Duh. But I, uh, okay. I, I think that the reason, like a lot of guys do rides because that's our bread and butter. Okay. Most people that are coming to, at least in my, again, I can't speak for anybody else, but in my experience, most people are coming to me as an, as a, as an artisan symbol maker for a ride symbol. Okay. They're looking for a primary voice. Um, and then, you know, I sell, I sell crashes and hi hats and flat rides and all that sort of stuff and China's or whatever anybody wants. But the, the, the main focus is always rides. Okay. You know, and hi hats, I'm assuming are this a quick second and then effects. Yeah. Things. Yeah. I'd say, I'd say hats and, and rides. And then from there on it's, it's a mix. Um, yeah. So your series, the Avari, uh, I guess if you live in Brazil, it's Avare. 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 Okay. I say Avare because I'm uh, an idiot from Philadelphia. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so that's sort of the darker, drier cousin of the Workhorse series. Uh, okay. I named it after the city that Francisco lives in. Um, okay. And it's uh, it, it's it starts off as a Turk and then uh, gets a, a sort of like a satin abrasion finish. Um, and uh, I laid the edge and uh, do a, a spiral of lathing down the body. It gives it sort of a, a nice combination of, of lathed and unlathed elements so that you get a nice sort of shimmery, silvery sound, but it's still nice and controlled, good stick, low pitch, kind of gritty. Yeah. They're very beautiful symbols. Thank you. Um, and you, you have your own signature look. You know, every every craftsman does have their own look to them. Uh, it's just pretty remarkable that, you know, it comes down to everyone's own special talents to uh, really create something special. And yeah, in this series too, you have in crashes, you have 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20, thin, medium, and medium thin. So I guess with that too, since you're a metal guy, you guys in like metal music, punk yeah. rock, do you have a symbol line or is there a way to craft a symbol that could be more durable, do you think? for people that hit hard and not necessarily. Yeah. I mean, it's really about picking your, picking your weight and, and uh, your bell, picking a, picking a symbol that has the correct anatomy for, mm -hmm. for louder playing. And a lot of that has to do with the player. You know, I mean, people, I, I've had rock drummers ask that too, before, like how durable are your symbols? I said, they're durable as, as any other B20 symbol. I said, do you break Zildjian's? Do you break Sabian's? Like you'll probably break mine. Like <laughs> it's, you know, uh, I, I think, uh, something that, that I, and, and several of the other, uh, symbol smiths do is try to educate and inform the consumer to try and try and get your clients to understand how it works and, and how symbols really work instead of it just being like, this one's shiny or like, this one's got a big bell or like this one's inside out or whatever, you know, like mm. this one's a clap stack, you know, like that's cool. We like, you know, that, that stuff's cool, but really it's, it's about like trying to get, get your, get your heavy guys to maybe go a little thinner mm -hmm. and maybe understand the way that they're hitting it is, is, is inappropriate and, and is probably choking the symbol out rather than allowing it to cut through the mix the way they want it to get your jazz guys to understand that they actually want, 
a slightly heavier cymbal. They don't need it to be this paper thin thing because then the stick sound isn't going to translate to the audience and you're okay. going to wash out. Have a slightly heavier cymbal so that you can get the sound to translate to to the audience the way you want it to. You know, is there a way to even craft a cymbal that could be more durable and sound good? Good in your opinion? In your opinion? I can't even talk today. In your when opinion, you, when you say <laughs> when you say durable, do you just mean heavier? Or do you uh, like what do you mean? I'm talking like if somebody's hitting it wrong. So what I used to do is I used to have my cymbals way up here, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I'd hit it, and then undoubtedly I'd hit the edge of it, right? Yeah. And that was what would start a crack process. Sure. And then uh, a buddy of mine who was a representative for a cymbal company said, uh, you know, you got to lower your cymbals and you got to hit it with a swishing motion in, yeah. in the the bow portion of the cymbal, and it'll long, it'll last a long time. You can hit it hard. Yes. Um, but it'll be appropriate. It'll make it live longer. Um. And I've I've been able to develop that that technique a little bit better, right? But I still sometimes go through cymbals because I just hit so hard, and I'm trying to reduce that. But I still, you know, I play the drums hard, you know. Um, and I've often just wondered: is there a way to, due to the material, is there even a way to make a cymbal sound uh, still sound good, but even last longer? I, I don't know. That's, that's an interesting question. I, I never really thought about it from that angle. Uh, you know, to me, it's it's really a technique thing because I play really heavy and I've played really thin cymbals in heavy music and not broken cymbals. Um, and I think some of it has to do with how you've got it on the stand, how you're hitting it, uh, how, how it's angled, what kind of sticks you're using, all that sort of thing. I, I think the only cymbal I've ever broken was a China and, and it was like a Wuhan that mm -hmm. had the cup thing and they break, you know, like if you're right. slamming them in a metal band, they're going to break. But um, yeah, uh, outside of dropping something, I've, I've never uh, uh, cracked a cymbal from playing. Um, and so, I mean, it, it could also be a, a matter of like uh, switching your alloy to B8 or B10 uh, or something like that. And, you know, some companies make really good B8 and B10 cymbals. And a lot of the cymbalsmiths will modify uh b8 b10 b12 symbols to make them sound uh more interesting and unique um it's really just a matter of of uh taste um but i i still think that there's uh as as long as you are aware that if if you're playing here's here's how i think of it if you're playing is comfortable and produces the sound that you want Mm -hmm. And you're breaking symbols, just keep breaking them, I guess. <laughs> I look, I look at, I mean, I, I look at your symbols, and man, they're beautiful. And I've listened to a number of them, and they sound fantastic. And you know, it, it's something that I'd have to, I'd have to change my technique to use because you know, it's more of a, it's a real refined instrument. And I wouldn't want to make an investment like that and break it. <laughs> sure, <laughs> so. sure. And I think that I think that's the challenge for 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 us uh, getting into uh, selling stuff to drummers who aren't jazz players, mm -hmm. you know, but I, I assure you uh, my last band was a, a, a doom band and oh. I, all, all of my symbols I made mm -hmm. in that band and I didn't break any of them and I hit them <laughs> really hard and they sounded good and they were very loud. <laughs> no, when you so, hit them, do you hit them with this, with a swoosh motion too? When I'm playing rock stuff. Yeah. I kind of, like this, you know, a little, little side swipe. Uh, and I go for the edge with crashes, you know, okay. uh, unless I'm like crash riding and you're digging into the bow. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I have no technique. So I, you know, if, if I, uh, 
if I'm hitting them wrong, it's it, I probably am hitting them wrong. You know, the so. weird thing is, as on the flip side, I hit drums really, really hard. And again, I'm changing my technique now, so I don't, you know. But I hit my bass drum so hard, I actually break the front heads. And wow. I don't break the bass drum head, which is weird because you'd almost think that I'd be going through my bass drum head so much quicker. It's a weird thing. And then I have not broken one beater. And I always hear about people breaking the footboards of the, of the pedals and the beater. And I'm like, that's the only thing I don't break. It's kind of weird. Anyways, technique, like you said. <laughs> so. You guys are all breaking stuff. I don't know. Stop breaking stuff. Shoot <laughs> a metal. I was born metal, you know? Yeah. I, you don't hit the drum head. You're trying to hit the bottom head. The top one's Yeah, you away. aim for the floor, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyways, I'm sorry. A, okay. And I think that that comes down to, you know, like when you're playing heavy music, it's that's part of the performance, you know? Like yeah. anybody with lots of technique or anything like that, or wants to be snooty about how you're supposed to play something like mm -hmm. that's how you play heavy music. Sometimes, you know, it's, it's a performance you're performing on an instrument. And to be fair, like, you know, a, a lot of symbols at that volume level, it's really just, do you have enough high end and usable mid range to cut through the mix? You know, like, mm -hmm. do you really need a super complex, you know, dirty sounding instrument? no, um but but you you can get some of the subtleties and stuff like that of of a, of a handmade instrument at a high volume but not the same way as a medium or or low volume setting yeah right i'm assuming your symbols would come alive either in a, in a jazz club that's really quiet or in a recording because I, I think you know you have depending, some dynamics depending on the symbol okay sure i mean like if you order a workhorse symbol in a medium or or heavy weight it's gonna it's gonna perform at, at on a on a uh uh, higher pitch level you know it's going to perform like a rock symbol um okay uh but you know my target audience most of the time are jazz players studio players um uh funk players that sort of thing who who want the lower dynamics so a lot of a lot of the symbols that i put up or sell are thinner so that's how they're gonna that's how they're going to to translate but um yeah just you know make them heavier Make them with a bigger bell, make them with a higher profile, and they they'll definitely perform in in a higher volume setting. Okay. Yeah. Well, we talked earlier about you know bronze and and whether it's going to be available forever forever or not. You're the only symbol maker I've seen so far that's been experimenting with stainless steel, and it kind of makes me think that you know you're going to be offering a different kind of line of symbol. Is that is that correct? In, at some point. So. So what I will say is I'm certainly not the first person to do stainless steel. Uh, Nicky Moon makes really nice stainless steel symbols. Okay. Um, and he was making them before me. Um, and I know I know that uh, Dave Collingwood experimented with steel a little bit in, in the beginning. There are a few people that were making some steel symbols that sounded good. Um, I, generally speaking, do not make stainless steel symbols anymore unless someone oh, okay. uh, special orders one. Um, and even in that case, I I tend to try to figure out why you want a stainless steel symbol. Is it just because you want something funky? Have you ever played a stainless steel symbol? Because it's very different than a bronze symbol. They're uh, fragile in that they, they don't crack the way that um, a bronze symbol will. They dent um, okay. when you're when you're making them at the weight the, at the at the thickness that you need them to be to sound good um in in my opinion mm -hmm. um without just sounding like a like a manhole cover or dead um they have to be very thin 
Um, so you have to make sure that whoever's going to pay the money to get them isn't going to destroy it after they hit it three times. Um, Good point. Uh, and so for for that, re- the, the main reason that I don't make steel anymore is because uh, I don't like it as much as as I like working with bronze. I mm-hmm. think that stainless steel sounds cool and it's it's valid. Uh, it's it's a valid voice as a symbol and can be really cool and interesting. And I'm totally into making them if somebody wants me to, but um, it's more physically taxing than bronze. Uh, the thing with bronze is when you're, when you're hammering bronze, it, it, the, your hammer bounces off of the, the metal if you have technique. Mm-hmm. So I could sit in, in my shop and hammer for five or six hours and, and I might be a little sore, you know, like a little sore muscles and say like, okay, I definitely worked today, you know, but um, if I hammered one stainless steel symbol, I would feel it in my neck for a few days um, because it's like gushy, like it doesn't bounce off. It like goes in and all the, the, all that force, it just travels back up through your arm and into your neck. And like, you get to the point where you can't turn your neck properly. And like, it's, it's really unpleasant. And, uh, and it's, you know, so that's the main reason why I don't do it anymore. Um, well, I was, well, I was just really interested to see on your YouTube, you know, you have like a 30 inch yeah. um, stainless steel and mm-hmm. multiple different sizes and they sound amazing. I didn't think that a stainless steel would sound like a real instrument. exciting to see that and i just thought I, maybe that'd be an alternative to brass if... i mean it, it it's it's a cool alternative but i don't think it's a replacement okay. um and it's also uh the reason i made them that big is because I, they're kind of higher pitched a little shrill and digital sounding okay a, a stainless steel so i found that making them gigantic uh got them closer to that nice low pitched like warm characteristic of of a of a b20 symbol <clears throat> so okay that's why i was doing those i don't know i don't know what we're gonna do if we run out of bronze uh i guess i'll just work at mcdonald's <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> well, ai and automation is taking away that too so you're gonna be in trouble <laughs> uh, okay well that's joking um so but what are your more most common or most popular sizes of symbol right now uh 20 and 22 inch rides um i I find that the the interest right now the trendy interest is in uh uh, odd size symbols 21 23 Mm -hmm. 19 uh 15 hats 17 hats uh that sort of thing 13 hats um and and i actually did get a couple orders recently for some 21s and 23s but but in terms of who's actually pulling the trigger and purchasing 20 and 22 inch rides uh followed by um 
14 inch hi-hats and 18 inch crashes okay so all this pretty much center size yeah the standard stuff um it's it's more about they 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 want the vibe you know everybody kind of knows what the usable everything has kind of gone back into the standard sizes i still make plenty of 24s I make big hi hats. I'm I have people order 22 inch crashes and stuff like that, and that stuff's super fun to make. Um, but that's not normal. Yeah, right. I think the the reason that I see funky stuff like that is because you usually come to someone like me or or any of the other uh smiths because you want something out of the ordinary. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you also commission symbols. Do you modify existing symbols as well or not? I do modify symbols i will be completely honest and this is not a good sales pitch i don't like doing modifications um i didn't a lot of guys learned how to make symbols by starting with modifications and then moving on to blanks whereas i started with stainless steel blanks and then moved to bronze blanks and i didn't start modifying symbols until probably a uh it wasn't until after i got my lathe you know and and uh, i worked for probably a year and a half without a leave. And uh, so I, it's not my favorite thing to do. It's, uh, it's super restrictive. Um, It's super restrictive to my creative ability. It's super restrictive in, in that I I think that people think you can do a lot more with mods than you actually can. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's this conception that you can actually transform it into a completely different symbol. And uh, you know, you, with a modification, you have to work with what's there, you know, and that uh, it's often uh, difficult to explain that to a client that, that like, I can't turn this seventies, a ping ride into an old K. I can't, mm-hmm. I can't do that. You know um, it's, it's not that I don't want to do that for you. It's just that I physically cannot. <laughs> right. Uh, but um, you know, I, I'll do it. I, I, and especially certain, you know, like if you've got a decent, like if it's in decent shape and it's not super crazy old, uh, I'm into it. I kind of do the whole like I'll ask a lot of questions before I yes say yes to to a modification. But uh, but I, I think that there are guys out there. Tim Roberts and Nikki Moon are much 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 better at modifications than I am. Um, and again, that is a terrible sales pitch. Um, <laughs> So if you would like your symbol to be modified uh, with less quality than Nicky Moon or Tim Roberts, I would be happy to maybe do it for you. Maybe. You know what? This is what's so exciting about what you guys are doing here. There's such a camaraderie and you guys work together and you all have such respect for one another. And I think that is so exciting to see because in... in boutique drum set manufacturing you don't see that as i've talked to the other symbol makers you know they've had to have respect for every each and one of you and you all have your own style sound and technique and if people are looking for a specific sound and they can't achieve it they're like okay i'll send them to you you know yeah. i think that's fantastic how that is, is working and great you you all define your specific uh skill set you know that's just it's really cool <laughs> i i think you know it it takes a particularly insane person to really do this you know, like if you do it on like a hobby level or or you're just getting into it because you're interested in it, mm-hmm. maybe you're a normal person. Um, <laughs> but I, I guarantee you that any of us that do this on, on any level outside of hobby level it is an insane person. Uh, so so we have we have 
the sickness we have it's a, it's an addiction it's it's an art it's a compulsion it's a thing that takes over your entire life you know okay. my my life is so so drastically different than it was when i started making symbols okay. be, and a lot of that is because of being a symbolsmith um i i've i like it's it's the first thing i think about when i wake up it's the last thing i think about when i go to bed and it's the uh it, I dream about it and <laughs> I talk about it with people that don't want to hear about it and, <laughs> you know, and, and that sort of thing. And, and I know that a lot of the other guys are like that too. So uh, it's nice to have the, these other people uh, around the world who, who care about it and, and, and are interested in it the same way you are. Yeah. Well, one thing I was going to ask you is that, you know, the wear and tear on your body uh, and your joints. Um, yeah. I've seen a lot of, uh, unrelated metal smiths, you know, like the, who custom, I'll say gas tanks or motorcycles or whatever. A lot of times they'll have this automated or pneumatic pinging um, double ball uh, kind of setup. Why do you guys not choose to do that, to implement that into your craftsmanship? Some of us do. Some of us do. Um, okay. And it's totally valid. I, I don't think that, um, I think that there's such a craze, a hand hammer, hand hammer, hand hammer, you know, like there, there are, there are completely machine hammered symbols that I think are great. Um, there are completely hand hammered symbols that I think are not very good. Uh, and uh, a, a power hammer is just another tool mm -hmm. and, and it's totally effective and can, can help uh, set up a blank for, for the hand hammering process or can make specific sounds when used complete for the entire process of shaping blank. Um, several of us have, have power hammers. Um, I don't, uh, probably for, for budgetary reasons at the moment, I don't have one. Um, but there's nothing wrong with, with a power hammer. And, and, and I think in terms of longevity, I'm almost 40. Um, you've got guys like Paul Francis is in his fifties. A lot of us are in our, our, our late thirties, early forties, you know, we're, you know, we're doing something to our bodies that you shouldn't be doing. So, um, uh absolutely get a power hammer <laughs> uh, but you know i don't have the i don't have the the money to put it together but I, i'll definitely have one at some point yeah yeah because to me i as a symbol smith i wouldn't consider that as a uh a cheat for hand hammering because you're still gonna have to refine it with hand hammering i think and i can't again i can't speak for everybody but i think most of us did think it was a cheat when okay. we first started because we all had that hand hammer is is the special magic in our heads, just like a lot of consumers. It, it, it was done with a machine. It's not the same. Mm -hmm. Not good. That's not true. Um, and as all of us get several hundred symbols into our careers, you know, you realize that just, you know, do, do you want to make symbols every once in a while or do you want to make symbols for a living? You know, because if, if you want to make symbols for a living, I've either got a, a you know, as I grow, I have to decide, like, do I do I need a combination of of some amount of automation and or additional uh, person or persons working with me in the shop so that, you know, so that I don't uh, absolutely burn my body out. Yeah. So here's my argument in favor of you guys. If you can spin a symbol on a lathe. Then hand then using a ping hammer is no different. <laughs> I agree. You still, have, you still have to refine it. You still have to I tune agree. in. And you, you know make what? it your own. 
you know what? That's the, that's going to be my next series. I'm going to do the lathing by hand. I'm literally going to have my assistant just spin it while I'm while I'm jabbing it with a with a with a thing. And I could probably charge a lot of money for that, especially oh. if we get some good video of it. Oh uh, yeah. And when you comes, you know, cut somebody's arm off. Oof, you know. Oh yeah. There you go. <laughs> Um, so we're coming up, you know, on an hour and, okay. um, I'm trying to be good about this, you know, cause I, I've, I've enjoyed talking with each one of you. Um, and there's so many cool areas that each one of you, uh, do, especially with you. I, again, I'm just, I'm just mesmerized by your symbols, the way they look. Thank you. Thank you. And, I uh, don't ever get used to uh, hearing that, but thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Well, see, the thing is, this is kind of a new, new thing for me because I, I've heard of people doing hand hammered things, but it's usually been like, um, shaped plates yeah. or uh you know minimal gongs not not these amazing gongs that people are doing mm -hmm. and i always thought like you know different manufacturers don't make their gongs out of one sheet of piece of metal they, they usually take pieces shape them weld them together a lot of people don't know that so when you hit it hard and it cracks in half that's why it's because it's never it was never one piece of metal to begin with including the flange area you know and so i i, I spoke to uh, somebody about um gong manufacturing years ago and then just recently again, it's just, it's unbelievable the craftsmanship that you guys do, the shaping of your symbols and making sure that you have the material thickness in the areas that it needs to be, like, especially with the transition from the cup to the bow. You know, that's an, that's an area that, that if it's not done right, it, they're going to be breaking all the time you know, just to do the material inconsistencies and thicknesses. So I'm still mesmerized in how you guys get the bow in there. And, um, and that's just literally craftsmanship. But, um, so with the uh, event coming up at Chicago, uh, you got you're gonna be, one day you're going to be presenting, mm -hmm. uh, and then the next day you're going to be on a panel. Do you have any idea what you're thinking about presenting this year at the? Uh, uh, Chicago? I've been uh, uh, I've been mulling it over mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, about what I want to talk about uh, because there, there's so much that I could talk about, and I kind of want to I kind of want to keep it. Um, you know, I, I went back and forth. Do I want to talk about? the industry, how the industry is going. Do I want to talk about, uh, you know, pricing or what? I mean, but that's kind of boring, you know, uh, and, and I'm sure that someone who, else who's there is going to articulate some of that stuff much better than, than I can. So I, I think what I'm, I'm going to talk about is, is my future, how I see, symbol smithing affecting me in a positive way because because the future is uncertain right now and i think we're coming to the boom uh people keep talking about this symbol boom that's happening and i i don't i don't think it has happened yet i think we're coming up to it and i think that uh, hopefully myself and some of these uh, other people that will be in chicago and some other very talented people around the world will rise up as as uh as consummate professionals uh, and then it'll sort of catch on in the way that that knife making has where you've got a lot of people that make knives, but mm -hmm. you've got some people that really make knives, you know, or tattooing where you've got a bunch of people with tattoo machines and then you have professionals and then you have superstar tattooers and stuff like that. I think it's kind of going to go that way. And uh, just thinking about how our businesses are going to grow in that way and how we're going to grow as artisans. And how how that's important to me, um, and and the answer that I keep coming up with is that what's important to me is that I grow in a way that allows me 
to keep making symbols because really the most important thing is the physical act of making symbols. So as, as long as I can keep doing that and, and hopefully support myself in doing so, uh, I'll do uh, whatever it takes. And whether that means sharing the craft with, with other people um, or uh, working with a larger company or, um, uh, or just releasing more uh, cohesive production models to, to, to become attractive to a, a wider audience, whatever it takes to keep getting people interested in saying, Hey, Mike, make a symbol, because that's at the end of the day, that's what I want to do is sit down and make symbols. Man, that's fantastic. That's a, that's an incredible point about all of that. And it also kind of made me think a little bit about AI and right now the, the concern about how much is AI going to be taking away from people working. Mm-hmm. And the one strong point that I see in AI being more of a part of our society is that the craftsmanship, whether you're a musician or an artist creating a symbol or a drum, that's the areas where, that are going to thrive going forward. Because no matter what, you can have all the best machinery in the world, but you can't get that human touch. And again, with every one of you I've talked to, every one of your symbols are so different, but yet they're the same alloy and you've learned from the same people. It really comes down to your personal approach and your skill set. And um, I, I don't know. I, I think, you know, like you said, I agree. I don't believe, believe the booms have happened yet for symbols. And I think it has yet to come around the corner, but it's exciting. It is such oh, an yes. exciting very thing exciting. to follow, to learn about. Um, it's just really, really cool. <laughs> so thank you for doing what you're doing. Thank you for being interested. You know, it's, <laughs> you know, four years ago, I was just sitting in a, sitting in a garage going, I don't know, maybe I'll hit this thing. And now I'm sitting here talking with you and, I'm, you know, I'm super excited for Chicago. I, I'm, I, it's still, it blows my mind that I, I was asked uh, by Rob and, and everybody over there to, to even be included in, in a group of people that are, that are talented in the way that the other people that will be on that panel are talented. So it's super exciting. It's going to be a great weekend. Thank you so much for your time today. It was, it was a pleasure getting to know you. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. This has been a production of the Drumming News Network. All rights reserved. All media is owned by the respective parties. This episode cannot be distributed or copied in any form. Please visit drummingnewsnetwork.com daily to keep up on all the latest drumming news. Copyright 2023.